Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the Let's Talk Thyroid podcast. I'm your host, Annabelle Bateman, and you can hear lots of birds chirping right outside my window because it's spring and they're all munching on the flowers on the tree outside my window. Now, today's episode, uh, you're going to want to grab, I'm going to call this a paper and pen episode. I'm chatting with Angela Busby, who is a naturopath, herbalist, nutritionist and podcast extraordinaire. She's the host of Healthy Living with Angela Busby. She's an old friend of mine and we're talking all about gut health. So we answer all the common questions. What is gut? What? Why is gut health important? What is good gut health? What is bad gut health? How do you know what sort of state of health your gut is in? And if it does need some help, which let's face it, if you're a if you've got a gut and you've got um, an autoimmune condition, your gut will need help. If you're just a human living in this, um, I guess, Western world where we eat a lot of processed food and sugar and all sorts of things, even when we're eating fairly clean, you'll probably have some sort of, um, or at least be alert to having some gut issues. So Angela is a born educator. She doesn't waste any words. Every, everything she said is full of really useful, helpful information. So hope you enjoy it. Hope it's really helpful because our gut health is so important to our mental health, our thyroid health, and our overall health. Hello, hello. You are about to listen to the Let's Talk Thyroid podcast. My name is Annabelle Bateman. I am your host. And together we are going to explore what it means to live a thyroid-friendly lifestyle. On this show, we cover many different aspects of that thyroid-friendly lifestyle, and we try to do it positively and practically to give you information and tools and strategies that you can actually implement in your day-to-day life. So I really hope you enjoy the show. If you do, if you wouldn't mind hitting that follow button on whatever platform you're listening on, that would be really helpful. And if you want to connect with me, the best way to do that is through my website, which is annabellebateman.com. The information presented and discussed in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease and should not be used as a substitute for proper advice from a qualified professional. Well, welcome, Angela, to the Let's Talk Thyroid podcast. This is fun. Um, You're a veteran podcaster, so I feel like the newbie on the podcast block, (laughs) but looking forward to getting in and having a chat this morning. Mm, Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. You and I are old friends and yeah, it's some good topics ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, this obviously recording is we're going to be talking all about gut health. Um, and uh, you know, Angela, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself properly in a minute, but just to set the scene, we've kind of set aside a morning for podcasting. So we're going to have this chat now and then we're going to have a chat after this one. Um, on Angela's podcast all about thyroid health and you know a bit about my book and you know the, just that whole thyroid story so morning of podcasting awaits <laughs> uh, so maybe Angela just tell us a little bit about you know who you are what you do you know what yeah thank you well um so I am a naturopath a nutritionist and a herbalist um and as Annabelle said I've been um just passionate about sharing my story and about um educating I love teaching and educating I think that's how my brain works like I break things down into you know practical steps and it it almost is annoying sometimes how much my brain wants to do that like in everyday life sometimes I have to go just I'm not I just let it go, just go with the flow. But it works from uh, what I love to do, which is um, help people and teach people. But to background on my story, um, basically my health journey was that when I was young, I had so many um, antibiotics for middle ear infections, like up until um, four or seven years of age, I just had recurrent. And it was so many antibiotics that it actually rotted my baby teeth. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, you poor thing. I didn't even like, my mum didn't know that could happen. Yeah. Um, lucky it was my baby teeth. Um, but the, it was the pharmacist that kept cashing in these scripts for the good old amoxicillin. Um, and I still remember the taste clearly because I loved it. I got so used to drinking that stuff. But the pharmacist said, is this all for this one child? And my mum went, yes. And he went, you know, this is not good. She shouldn't be on this much antibiotics. And my mum just had no idea because the doctor kept prescribing it. So 
you trust your doctor, don't you? And so she kept getting me on antibiotics. Anyway, long story short, it obliterated my gut. As we know now that antibiotics are like dropping an atomic bomb into the gut and um, a child's gut's not fully formed until they're seven. So it was that prime, you know, formative years that I got a massive attack on my gut. Um, and then I had to deal with IBS basically developing and well first it was recurrent vomiting bugs and why did I get that like all the time because there was no gut flora there was nothing to protect me so I had a pretty rough you know sort of sickness journey at the beginning then it turned into IBS and then it turned into um, SIBO which I talk a lot about um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth anyway long story short it really sparked my interest in wanting a natural way to help my body heal. And I went to a naturopath when I was young and thought she was amazing. Like to this day, I'm still trying to find her because she's kind of gone off the grid. And oh, I'm like, yeah. Um, lovely to be able to reconnect with her. Oh, Maggie could. May, if you are listening to this podcast and you remember a little girl called Angela, um, please reach out. But yeah, she sort of put it in my head that this this is cool, like a medicine woman, mm. someone that can, mm. unfortunately, I don't know, my mom didn't keep seeing her or um, I'm not sure why they didn't address the gut because that would have saved me a lot of time and pain, but they addressed some other stuff. And so anyway, once I got old enough, I said, this is what I want to do. And I became a naturopath and I have a love of treating the gut because I've seen the improvement in my life. Um, and I've seen so many other people, I've been able to help them steer back towards that homeostasis. And unfortunately, I think the damage like on my gut is, is irrevocable in the sense that I'll never get back to a hundred percent. Like, you know, if I never had that going on, but mm -hmm. I know how to care for it. I know how to manage it. I know what are my triggers and, um, and I love helping people catch it early so their kids don't have to sort of go, um, you know, so far down that hole that they, yeah, struggle with it for the rest of their life. So yeah, I became a naturopath. I work in clinic. I've had two children. Um, a nearly five-year-old and a um, nearly one-year-old. And so I've had a bit of maternity leave in there. I know some of my podcast listeners were like, where'd you go? And my clients will come back. <laughs> and But now I'm back. No more kids, two and through. And um, so doing the podcast, seeing clients, helping people, yeah, passionate about. So um, when you said, let's do a dual interviews, I thought I'd love to do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, I... Before I started my podcast, which was about two years ago, I'd never really, I wasn't an avid podcast listener, but um, I had listened from time to time to some of your podcasts, which uh, Healthy Living with Angela Busby, is that what it's called? Yeah. So we'll make sure we have all the links to that. You're definitely going to want to follow that. And I was reminded because uh, I got a message from someone fairly recently saying, oh, look, your podcast and Angela Busby's podcast have been so helpful for me in my thyroid journey. I'm like, oh, Angela, of course I should have Angela on my show. How did I not, you know, kind of. And so there's some feedback for you to, you know, you, you, you know, uh, obviously got lots of avid listeners and helping people in a variety of with a variety of health health issues. I just love um, that she put both of our, like, knew us both sort of thing. That's awesome. I know. And she wouldn't have known that I knew you. So yeah. it was like, ah, cool. <laughs> that is nice. It's nice when we get that feedback, isn't it? Because we're sitting in our rooms talking to a microphone and a screen mm -hmm. and we know that you're all listening, but it is nice when, you know, uh, you get little messages yeah. like that. Keep, yeah. Keeps the oh, going. it keeps me going. Like, thank you guys. Um, that anyone from my podcast that's listening and have written in, I get these lovely little sort of reviews. Um, uh, and it just brightens my day and, and definitely keeps me going with this. Cause yeah, changing people's lives. It's kind of why we want to do this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not effortless, is it? So, you know, we definitely want to be doing it. Um, and we know it's helping and that, and that's all worth it, but it is nice when you hear that. Uh, so yeah, we'll, so obviously gut health was, you know, what got you into naturopathy and natural health. And that is what we're going to talk about today diving in. I've got lots of questions. I've got pulled some questions that have come to me from time to time for people 
um, in in my Facebook community, really. So, but as a big picture, and I know there are people who listen to this show that don't have thyroid conditions. Most do, obviously. It's a thyroid podcast, but, uh, you know, gut health applies to everyone. So can you just tell us why is gut health so important? Yes, great question. Um, so basically the gut, if you think about it's that first point of call. Um, when we went through, uh, you know, college and uni, they talk about the guts actually like outside the body in the sense that it's exposed to everything outside the body. When we swallow, when we eat, all of our digestive tract in that way is exposed to everything, external chemicals, external environment, like foods, um, and along with that come viruses, bacteria, parasites, um, all of those sort of nasty things that can be there. Um, it's all going to hit the gut first. And so the gut is that first point of contact. And so if that is compromised, the whole body is left um, without that massive defense. Yes, we have our immune system, but our immune system uh, can easily become overworked when that gut defense is not working properly. So, um, that's, that's sort of a big key one. And, um, secondly, we then look at, okay, beyond being our defense, it's also the way that we get all of our nutrients. So how are we going to get our macro and our micronutrients absorb, um, you know, our vitamin C, even if we're taking it in food or supplement form. So you spending all this money, maybe seeing naturopaths and practitioners, and you're taking the best of the best, but if your gut can't digest that, can't break it down and assimilate that, you're basically peeing really expensive pee. Um, and so the gut needs to be working well to protect us and to get what we need from our food um, so that the rest of our body can work properly. Um, and then beyond that, like, I mean, how long's a piece of string in terms of the gut? And it's, it, yes, I'm passionate about the gut, but it is just an amazing you know, organ and part of our body. Um, did you know, okay, there's a little fun sort of a quiz, Annabelle. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> fun fact, I might, not, I might fail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no right or wrong, but, or um, parts will fail. But this is a curious fact. Where do you guys think most of our serotonin, which is our feel-good hormone um, and neurotransmitter that affects our brain, um, and people that are on SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, so full-on drugs to help people increase the serotonin, but where is 90% of serotonin stored? Oh, pick me. Yes, <laughs> it's Annabelle. It's going to be the gut. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a gut podcast. We're talking about gut. So you were right. Um, so can isn't that interesting? So people are out there mm. taking medication to increase serotonin and it's being stored in the gut. So like if we have bad gut function and, and flora and all of that, um, we're losing serotonin there. Like let's fix the holes in the bucket and then if we need put more water in the bucket. So um, yeah, the, it'll affect our brain and our mood function. Um, and I know, as I said, cause I've had longstanding journey with gut issues. When my gut is off, my mood goes off. Mm. It's just remarkable. Like it's so connected. And when, um, the fetus is growing in, in the mum's womb, the gut and the brain come from those same cells um, that divide yeah. to create the different organs. Yeah. Is that why they sometimes call the gut the second brain? Yeah. Or the, the gut... first brain even, I've heard it talked about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a huge link there. So, yes, many. And when we with your thyroid listeners, so if you're trying to get iodine and you're trying to get selenium and all these amazing um, thyroid um, nutrients that you need, but your gut's not working properly, it's going to be hard for your body to, to get those nutrients to the thyroid unless you have a gut that's working properly. Hmm. It's interesting because last night um, while we were doing the washing up, I've got three teenage boys and we have all sorts of interesting conversations and we were talking about, well, it wasn't a long conversation, but we got talking a bit about mental health and, and I said, well, imagine if everyone just sorted out their gut health, you know, and I said, I'm not saying all mental health issues are gut related, 
But I said, but there's such a connection. And the boys are, oh, no, that's not true. You know, I think they think I'm some sort of, you know, loony most of the time. But it is, you know, like I know uh, that it, you know, I think, wow, like if people did, if we all had healthy guts, then imagine how much better we'd just all be feeling in our in our mood and, you know, mm. our brain function and, you know, mm. I think if if we can be teaching our kids, you know, that connection and maybe they experience that for themselves, then, um, yeah, I think that is exciting that we've, that we know now more and more about that gut brain connection. Yep. Mm, yep. So really important. <laughs> gut is really important. And so if we want good gut health, uh, what, what do we need to be doing for good gut health? Yes. Good question. Well, um, so sort of initially depends how severe the issue is. So some people Mm -hmm. have been spending years working on building a gut problem sort of thing, like whether it's, you know, food intolerances, whether it's leaky gut, Mm. now it's SIBO, um, uh, poor diet, uh, medication, like proton pump inhibitors. Um, If we've been spending years building a poor gut function and we've got some serious underlying issues, then we need to, first of all, test, see what's going on. So there's a number of different tests we can do as Mm. naturopaths. We can do um, like a, G- a GI gastrointestinal mapping, which tells us basically oh, the testing has come leaps and bounds. Even since before I went on maternity leave the first time to now, I've just been refreshing myself on all the testing out there and it's um, really come a long way. So we can culture with a stool sample what's in the gut and we can find out what's happening digestive wise with our digestive secretions and bile. And, um, we can see what's going on in terms of bacterial content, the good, bad and ugly. Um, so we can see if we're lacking in certain bacteria that we need or if we've got overgrowth of, you know, E. coli or, um, bacteria that shouldn't be in those numbers or if we've actually got a parasite or mycoplasma or something there that really is causing havoc. Um, so we've got things like that. We've got breath testing for SIBO. We've got, um, uh, basically any test we want to run, we can run, but that's for the patient that we've definitely got some underlying issues. I like to find out what's going on and then mm. we can actually um, formulate a good plan to, to steer us back to that homeostasis in the gut. Mm. But for people that, you know, just want to sort of start to steer themselves back towards uh, good gut health, don't have massive underlying issues. Because if you've got a massive issue like, uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth that requires some pretty sort of inten- intensive treatment for about three mm. months to um because that's a condition where we have an overgrowth of bacteria could be good could be bad doesn't matter there's just too many of them in the small bowel and we need to eradicate those numbers and then we're also doing gut healing and then um, we follow a certain diet to sort of re-establish rebalance. Um, so that's sort of a more targeted approach and you'd really want to work with a naturopath for that. But mm. moving aside from that, what can everyone sort of just look at on a day-to-day basis? Well, number one is removing any um, either food intolerances that may be triggering leaky gut because leaky gut plays into, um, uh, you know, hypothyroidism and, and autoimmune diseases like mm-hmm. Hashimoto's mm-hmm. and Graves' disease. We really need to address leaky gut. Um, and so it's about finding what foods are triggering, removing them, and then it's looking at um, healing the gut with things like bone broths, Oats are super, like, they're a demulcent. They'll sort of um, coat and soothe inflamed guts. Slippery elm, glutamine, which is uh, food for the enterocytes, the gut cells. Because, see, when you've got leaky gut, what I explain to patients in clinic is our gut should be nice and tight like that, the gap junctions between the gut cells. And if you imagine a nice silk scarf, if I give you a, um, a glass of water with dirt and, you know, silt and yeah, stuff in there 
and we poured it one second <coughs> we poured it through that silk scarf that scarf's going to act like a sieve and it's going to sort of purify that water and keep most of the debris and junk out and we'll have a mostly clean water that's what the gut should be doing remember we talked about that protective effect mm. If we have leaky gut, it's like imagine um, a knitted scarf and it's got all those sort of holes. If we pour that same water through that scarf, everything's coming through. Mm. The, yeah. the small, the medium, the big, that's undigested food proteins, which are going to trigger off food intolerances. That's a viruses, bacteria, um, parasites. It's all coming through. So healing the gut glutamine and um, these nutrients help to pull that gut lining back tight where it needs mm. to be. So um, we need to restore that gut barrier. And then Can we I, want, yeah. I was just going to ask, when you're talking before about all the testing, is there a test for leaky gut? Like I know I've, I, you know, most people with autoimmune conditions have leaky gut or have, or have had it and maybe healed it. But is there a, is there a test for, like in all those tests, is there a test for it or have, um, is it more that we see sim- signs of it? It's yeah. a good, it's actually a really good question because um, I think as a naturopath, we're so trained to know the signs of leaky gut that it's mm. not something I test for because it's pretty obvious to me. And I, I certainly don't want to waste people's money on testing because it gets yeah. expensive pretty quickly. So, um, but you know, generally what happens is that in that GI uh, mapping, the, the gastrointestinal mapping, there are markers in there that will tell us if there is leaky gut present, but it does everything. Um, so you could probably isolate those markers and just do that. Um, Mm. and it'd be a bit cheaper, but generally by the time you're wanting to check for leaky gut, there's problems all the way through the digestive tract. So you're looking at, Mm. is the hydrochloric acid not up to scratch? I want to check that. Is the bile working? Um, Are we, you know, um, look, well, by that point, if you've got leaky gut, you've probably got problems with the microbiome, so the bacteria. So by the time you're testing for leaky gut, we normally do that GI mapping and do it all. Um, But you can just... From taking a a history of someone's picture, you can get an idea if they have leaky gut. And the Mm. other thing is the food intolerances. So leaky gut can lead to systemic issues. Um, And so what another test I'll do if I suspect leaky gut is the um, IgG food intolerance testing because, Mm -hmm. oh, man, there's so much we could talk about. I know. We could be talking. I know. I'm trying to, I like, limit it. But really quickly. And I've got all these questions. Oh, oh, I know. And we did say we, we can follow some rabbit holes, but we don't want to keep people here all day. Um, and, and a lot of what I'm talking about, I talk more about in depth on my podcast, like in sections. So I do the testing as one podcast episode and I do food intolerances. So if you want to learn more, jump over to Healthy Living with Angela Busby and I'll go into more deep. I've gone into more mm. detail there, but yeah, that's good. This IgG testing is something I will do. Um, uh, because especially if people are getting systemic effects from the leaky gut, we want to know initially what foods we need to cut out. And if you've got food intolerances, you've got leaky gut, you know? So we can yeah. test for leaky gut, but if we suspect it, let's spend our money on testing what foods are triggering you right now uh-huh. so that we can yeah, pull those good. foods out, mm. which are going to mm. help heal the gut and then eventually reintroduce them because an IgG intolerance is not a true allergy. So you can generally reintroduce those foods. Okay. And, and I mean, if you're just at home listening and you think, oh, I don't really know if my gut is a problem or not. Uh, and I, and I think that's a, a lot of people because often, particularly with say hypothyroid things, things happen slowly. And Mm. so we get used to things like Mm. we get used to how we feel. We get used to the way our bowels move or we feel after we eat and we don't necessarily know that they're not normal or we we could feel better. Mm. So, you know, for the, for the listener that's like, I don't even really know what I should be looking for to know if I might have leaky gut or a gut problem that needs healing. What sorts of things should they be looking for? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, cause even like you said, with gut health, it often, it develops slowly over time. So when people come to me way down the rabbit hole, if they want a quick fix, I say it's going to take time because it generally crept up on you slowly. You know, like that, how do you kill a frog? You heat him up really slowly and he yeah, doesn't jump right. out. Yeah. So some signs that you're heading sort of in the wrong direction, you want to re-steer your ship back towards that homeostasis. By the way, homeostasis is balance, balance in the body because I used to think, oh, we've got to heal this and heal that and, you know, turn it do a 180 but you see life is not static like we just talked about it slowly goes that way well we slowly go back but you know it's constantly redirecting to that true north so it's trying to find balance um that's sort of the goal so constipation or diarrhea um if you're experiencing any of those now i did bring with me a little chart because everyone wants to see poo chart right oh good so morning this is going, in the morning yeah, that's right so you have to watch, watch on youtube to see the, the, the poo chart. <laughs> oh yes because if you're listening online but so um I, this is the bristol stool chart i use it a lot in clinic so constipation we're talking rabbit pellets all these hard to pass sort of lumps um type three and four are sort of like nice sausages that come out quite easy that's sort of a um that's where we want to be then we're talking diarrhea when we're getting these soft sort of blobs and then it's getting fluffy or liquid that's diarrhea and i'm sorry to be talking about poo on your podcast annabelle you may never invite me back We need to talk about poo, it's all good. <laughs> but I, I show people this because people don't know that they're constipated. A hundred percent, I can tell you. I talk to people that go, oh, I'm not constipated, and I, and I show them this, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I, I've i got, maybe they've got type 4, the nice sausage, so you think, yep, yeah, yeah, that's looking good. And I go once a week, you know, so I'm fine. And I go, that's not fine. <laughs> Um, they've gotten so used to that, that they think being Mm. full for that week is, is fine. And so it's about that re-education. So ideally we want to go to the toilet, um, once a day, up to three times a day is quite healthy and normal. It's sort of our bowels. uh, If we were in, you know, this perfect, um, paradise, we'd be going after every meal, you know, kids often, tend towards more of that babies, breastfed babies, you know. Um, so, yeah, you don't want to be constipated or have diarrhea. That's a sign something's not working right. A big, big, big one that probably a lot of listeners can relate to is bloating. It's almost like the B word. Like, Don't say the B word. Oh, bloated. I'm bloated. You know, distension of the tummy, pain, cramping excessive wind, excessive burping, a feeling of fullness, um, even if you haven't eaten, um, heartburn, um, undigested food in your stools. So if you see mucus, blood or undigested food in the stools, there's something going on that needs to be checked out. It's just sort of these are the signs our body is kind of throwing out there. Um, And it does, it throws out lots of signs. Often we're just not like looking for the right things. Um, nausea. And then there's systemic ones. So if we've got um, rashes, eczema, recurrent illnesses, so like if you're constantly getting sick, you have one of two things. You either have like gut problems or you have young children. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else about that? Poor oh, Angela's got two <laughs> kids home sick today. So yeah. Oh my gosh. We've been there. Yes. It's, it's, you, my kids don't go to daycare, but go to kindy and, uh, it is, it is just a little cesspool. So I just do what I can to boost their immune, but they have to get things to learn their own immunity, like to, to grow. But, um, so what were we saying? Yeah. So recurrent, um, illnesses and sicknesses and viruses. The other one is, um, as a naturopath, I look at nails and, um, tongue diagnosis. We can, we can look at that. So if your nails have ridges or constantly cracking or breaking, um, if there's little white dots on them, all of those are signs of different, um, things that could be going on in the gut. 
like the white dots are often a zinc deficiency. It can be some other minerals, but I immediately think zinc, if they're cracking and peeling, I think nutrient absorption is not happening properly. Um, ridges can be uh, your digestive enzymes are low. So, yeah, the whole body is telling us it's whether mm. we're listening or not. Mm. And uh, you mentioned things like uh, skin conditions and things like that. Uh, I, I, I've often thought, um, you know, that skin is a reflection of your gut health. Is that am I, is that right? Mm. Like your, your skin yeah. often reflects your gut? Absolutely. The other one that reflects our gut is the mucous membranes. So, our, if you heal one mucous membrane in the body, you're healing all. If you hurt one, you're hurting all. So, um, mucous membranes are our um, respiratory tract. So that's why we can get a lot of those viruses. Our urinary tract, so people can get a lot of UTIs. Um, and that also mm-hmm. can be crossover and um, infection from bacteria from the gut. But I've noticed when you heal the gut, a lot of those other mucous membranes start to heal up as well. So skin, mucous membranes definitely reflect the gut. Hmm. So yeah, there's so many things. And as you say, you know, we could go down lots of different rabbit holes, but we were talking before uh, about, um, food sensitive, food intolerances and how that can contribute to leaky gut. And one of the questions that I was asked recently was, you know, when you're looking at healing your gut, is there a particular diet that is helpful, uh, for healing the gut or is it, I don't know, there can be individual, there's got to be individuality in that because everyone's going to have slightly different food intolerances. But is there a, I mean, I know it's probably not one gut healing diet, but if you're talking with what sorts of things are you looking at when you're working with clients in terms of diet who are wanting to heal their gut? Yeah, it's a good question, Annabelle. And one thing I've learned with some time um, in practice as a parent and is that there are many roads that lead to Rome. So um, I don't think there's one gut diet that, you know, mm. is the be-all and end-all. Um, but I guess I lean towards things like basically, this is just my motto, aim towards paleo. That's what I tell most of my um, patients that I don't need to put on other specific diets, which I'll talk about mm. in a moment. But if we're just talking general gut health, I sort of say, let's just move more paleo, um, like 80%, 70, 80% paleo, because you see a lot of people are eating too many grains. And remember when we were kids, that, that diet chart, Mm -hmm. grains were the bottom, right? Now who paid? Yeah. Who paid for that? Probably me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And, and, and I think, I, I think I remember reading it was funded by like the agricultural industry. Um, so I, I think a lot of us grew up with okay, sandwiches for lunch and, um, you know, we might have wheat bix for breakfast and then we'll have, um, pasta for dinner. So, and then the, the snacks have probably got grains in it. So there's just grain, there's books out there called grain brain because, we affect the gut, you affect the brain and grains affect the, the gut. And, um, a lot of grains that we eat a lot of, um, these big monocrops and you could get me talking about Monsanto and monocrops and we're not going to go down there, but feel pretty passionate about, um, that and, uh, sad for what it's done to our, um, our earth and our food supply. But basically we have so much grain, so, so much wheat, we don't know what to do with it. So we stick it in soy sauce. So we stick it in lollies. So we stick it in everything. And then half, over half the population and now, you know, gluten intolerant or wheat intolerant. Um, yeast is another one that like <clears throat> we, put so much uh, yeast in bread to make it rise quicker rather than the old-fashioned way of allowing it to raise with natural fermented, you know, yeast and bacteria. But, yeah, we've got the yeast um, the yeast issue. I've been noticing a lot of people becoming intolerant on my testing to yeast um, because we're chucking three, four, five times the amount at Coles and Woolies and it rises in two hours and Bob's your uncle quick in out getting paid uh, mm. rather than raising our sourdough over 48 hours. And interestingly, I've noticed, cause I know myself, I'm 
um, quite sensitive to yeast. If I eat at a beautiful, you know, wood-fired pizza place that does a 48-hour um, dough rising, or there's one near us, which I should tell you about, Annabelle, because um, you'd probably love it too. They do it, it's five days, and it even, they don't tell the clients, but it gets like, um, was it white or green, like little bits that they, they sort of pull off? Because uh, <laughs> it's yeah. like fermenting so much. But that yeah. is the best pizza I've had, and it never hurts my gut. And they say yeah. a lot of people that are intolerant to gluten or, you know, yeast can eat their pizza. So isn't that interesting? Mm. You go back to an old way of doing things, and people can tolerate it. You come to our quick mm. microwavable society, and suddenly everyone's got food intolerances. So I guess this is why when we say, is there a specific diet, I think the closest to nature possible. And to me, paleo, it's everywhere. It's an easy marker. It's just cut down the grains, cut down the dairy, um, and do more <clears throat> plant-based and, and like lean proteins, like real food that, that your, if your grandmother would have eat it, eaten it, it was probably real food and it's probably pretty safe to eat. If she goes, this isn't food because she looks at the back and it's, you know, PG and then it's nine, five, two, five, two, five, uh, you know, words I can't pronounce. She, that's not food. I could just see, you know, our great grandparents going, what, what is this? These are numbers and you're eating numbers. So paleo head that direction. Um, if people have specific gut issues and we need to get more ruthless, um, then we look at things like the specific carbohydrate diet, the gaps diet, gut and psychology, um, diets. Uh, sometimes we for SIBO, we do a combination of those two. Um, but that's really strict and that's for three months to really, take out anything that will feed the bad bacteria and people get amazing results. So they just go within two so that's weeks. that's combining, what you say, SIBO and GAPS? Well, no, that's combining the specific carbohydrate diet and a GAPS diet and oh, basically okay. paleo. It's just eliminating right. all carbs, all sugars, um, all dairy. I mean, this is not for the faint-hearted. Yeah. You do that No, but you've got to be in a pretty bad way to be prepared to do that. Yes. But and if you're in a bad way, you need to pull out all stops to heal that gut. Yeah, and it's for a period of time. And then guess mm. what I phase those clients on to for longer term? Yeah. The paleo. Yeah. 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 And 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 like I don't need hundred percent paleo. Um, because you see, I want to enjoy my life. <laughs> Sorry. For people who do hundred percent paleo, like I'm sure you enjoy and, and it's amazing. I, if I could, I would. But you know, like for me it's always about making it practical and <clears throat> every now and again I want my glass of wine, a piece of dark chocolate, and I'm gonna eat that pizza with the five day raising because I love pizza, you know. <laughs> At home I make my gluten-free bases, but um, it's sort of like a bit of balancing living and enjoying life and then also doing what's right for your body to fuel it. So that's why I sort of say aim for the 80-20, 80% real food that just fuels this wonderful Mercedes that God gave us. And then 20% is live life because I don't think people should be miserable because um, that doesn't really help them in their health journey either. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely there's that stress component to maintaining a super strict diet that can be counterproductive. Yeah. And and I guess it is knowing that some of those things are a healing phase and it doesn't maybe you are super strict for a period of time and then you relax. I know for me I have done that at different points like I um I can be I kind of well, the way I describe it is I mean I would definitely say I have a paleoish diet. Mm. And, and increasingly more paleo like you know as in my day-to-day -day lifestyle way of eating is is closer to stricter paleo than looser paleo <laughs> but over the years I've done you know um, months here and there where I'm super tight with that and then I kind of just relax and usually for me it's like the other grains a bit of rice a bit of you know all your kind of paleo treats sneak in you know the homemade chocolate and the or the not homemade chocolate or the little bits of uh dairy sort of creep in and then I'm like oh no I need to rein it in again and then I'll rein it in again that's what we were talking about that constant flexing and and aiming back for homeostasis because because I honestly 
used to think very black and white and I have this perfectionistic tendency in me that I've had to whittle away at and work on, which is why I adopt that 80-20 rule because otherwise I'd be aiming for 110 um, <laughs> and stressing myself out. So it's like you said, there are going to be seasons where we're really good and because life is humming along and we're able to, you know, get our baking done and get all the good foods in and then all hell breaks loose and the kids go wild and something happens at work and you're just like oh survival you know so yes you survive and you might steer away a bit but then you just slowly course correct and I think our bodies are made to be able to handle a bit of that it's when we go like straight off the rails and we we just keep going down eventually it starts to say hello look at me I'm putting up signs I'm not doing so well and I think that's why you said um you just naturally have become more and more towards stricter paleo because you feel better and then you go well I don't want that anymore. And I've noticed that in myself as well too. Like I have to have a salad every day and my husband always laughs because he, he, he doesn't feel like that. But I feel good having a fresh salad every day um, and I miss it when I don't have it. And like, you know, I've gotten to the point where, like again, I'm not strict. I, I'll bend if we're out at a special do or whatever, but I don't like fried foods. They don't make me feel good. And so my husband forgot to order grilled fish when we were away at the coast um, the other day. So it came crumbed and I always order grilled and I'm there picking the crumb off to eat the fish inside. But it's just, it, I'm not doing it out of stress. I'm doing it because I know I'll feel better not eating the crumb. Um, so I suppose you're right. Naturally, you you tend that way. But please, no one think I'm a saint. Like I love my dark chocolate and a good glass of wine. So <laughs> like, you know, we're real people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Look, and and I guess that that is part of, one of the things I talk a lot about in the, well, for me, and then in terms of thyroid health is that when you've got a chronic thing like Hashimoto's, it doesn't just disappear. Mm. So we can't just do, I mean, we, we can't just do three months, get everything right and then forget about it all again. Yeah. So it does have to be part of a lifestyle and that mm. lifestyle can't be super strict all the time, but maybe you have some, like for for me, I just won't go down the gluten path. Like mm. I haven't had gluten deliberately. I mean, I'm sure I've been exposed to it, but I haven't had deliberate gluten deliberately for ten, almost ten years, I think mm. now. And for me, that's just a line. It's just mm. a rule, and that actually is easier. I find that easier. Yeah. Than the well, I don't know. Can I have gluten today? Should I? Maybe I could have that piece of cake. Oh, oh, I really feel like that piece of, you know, you know, beautiful looking bread or. So for me, it's less stressful to have that rule that I just don't eat gluten because to me that's less stressful. But it took a long time to get to that point and I'm 10 years down the track. So, and I talk about this quite a lot on, you know, in lots of, you know, interviews and um, because it has to then be part of a lifestyle and that lifestyle maybe, but I'm less strict say on dairy or I will have the odd grain or, you know, I have a naturally have a sweet tooth. So I'll, I'll sort of go the 80, 20 on other things, but I'm, I am a hundred percent on gluten. Well, I must admit gluten is something that I'm a hundred. I'm not always now with kids. There are slip ups, but if I was to go a hundred on something, it's definitely um, wheat gluten gluten but i'd say for me it's it's weak gluten so um because i don't have an autoimmune disease um you know i'm not as concerned about spelt although i i just don't really eat it but for the kids uh, you know from time to time spelt's okay but i i have my whole family off gluten um because everyone's basically intolerant to certainly the new type of gluten and wheat out there this g- genetically modified monsanto hybrid Frankenstein, which Australia is the testing ground and and we're the ones leading the way with this weird wheat. And I remember I was doing a seminar once and um, a lady put up her hand and said, oh, um, can I tell you a story about that? And I said, yeah, sure. She grew up on a wheat farm when she was a little girl. And then she was, um, you know, sort of retired driving around Australia. And 
she kept seeing this odd looking crop um, because it kind of reminded her of wheat, but it was, I think it was like one third the height or something. And she said to her husband, what is that? And finally they found, they stopped, they asked someone, they said, oh yeah, this is all the wheat. And she said, no, it's not. I grew up with wheat. That's not wheat. Said, yeah, yeah, it is. And it turns out it's the, it's the genetically modified wheat that Monsanto's, um, you know, company gets our farmers to to pay for the patent, to buy their seed. The seed can't reproduce itself, so you have to constantly go back to Monsanto and and get more. Um, but it's more hardy against pesticides and herbicides. So we can spray it to death and put lots of chemicals on it and it won't kill the uh the the grain, but it will, you know, kill everything that comes in contact with it. So their crop is protected. What does that do in our gut? <clears throat> that's the question right there. Um, but yeah, so hybrid Monsanto wheat, they're actually tampering with the DNA of the, the plant. That's why they, you have to buy and pay these patent, th- you know, fees. So anyway, so that kind of wheat is Frankenstein and I don't think anyone should eat that. So if you're going to eat something like that, go back to the ancient grains like spelt and kamut and all of those ones, or yeah, opt for other grains. There are plenty of other things out there that won't do as much damage to your gut and then aim to be less grains overall, like we said. Um, but I agree with you. Wheat is probably one of the most evil out there. All right. Well, I think I might just ask one final kind of wrap up question. Uh, you know, you, from that herbalist, nutritionist, naturopathic perspective, I mean, aside, we've talked a lot about, you know, food and I think this has been a really great overview. And as you said, you've got go into loads of detail on your podcast for people who want to dive deep into specific things. But, you know, are there, if you are in that gut healing, working towards having good gut health, are there supplements or herbs or, you know, are there other things that, you know, we should be mindful of or um, using or avoiding you know, in part as part of that healing? <clears throat> yes, absolutely. Um, and sorry, guys, I have a morning smoothie every morning. Um, it's just sort of a mum's breakfast and I throw loads of nuts and seeds and, you know, all the good stuff, but it, you know, it's it gets, your throat. Yeah, it is. And I'm like, okay, note to self, do not have a smoothie on podcasting days. I, uh, I did forget that. I, I do remember that from, from before, but I've been on maternity leave. So I sort of, um, have been a bit out of practice. Okay. So, I did think about this leading up to um, have a little chat about what we can do um, across the spectrum. So like you say, I'm, I want to cover off some herbs, some nutrients um, and some other options. So first of all, as I said, we want to heal the leaky gut and that means we need to restore that gut barrier. Um, so things like glutamine, Slippery elm, zinc, uh, these are all really important for helping. Well, like I said, glutamine feeds those enterocytes, the gut cells. So we need to give them some food. We need to help sort of close up those gap junctions. Um, so we've got that nice tight scarf again. Um, then we've got some anti-inflammatory herbs can help. Um, and sorry if you hear my kids in the background, as Annabelle said, they're home today. Uh, it's, it's mum life. So I'm sure a lot of mums are listening. I'm sure we're we're all (laughs) understanding. I can't hear them actually at all. Oh, okay. It's It's just me. (laughs) I get the, the beautiful sound of uh, kids in the background. Um, so turmeric boswellia, um, there's some really great ones and turmeric, you can make up your own golden milk. Um, I think I still have a recipe for that on my website, busbynaturopathics.com.au but um, that's basically just mixing up uh, turmeric powder um, with a bit of pepper because pepper um, makes it, you know, sort of almost 100 times more bioavailable and absorbable in the body. So you sort of um, heat that on a low temperature to make a paste and then you can also add some nicer flavours like cinnamon and yummy sort of spices in there and then you keep that in the fridge and you put a teaspoon of that in with whatever – um, milk of your choice. Like for us, we use non-dairy milks. Um, and there's so many yummy ones coming out. Like there's yeah, hazelnut milk definitely now. better. Ooh, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, get on that. that. That'd be nice with coffee, wouldn't it? Uh, I know. Yeah. Yes. Because mm. I make, um, 
like my own sort of hot chocolate with cacao and, um, you know, sweeten it with honey or a little bit of coconut sugar or something. Uh, now you add in the hazelnut, it's like, mmm, nutella Yeah, that <laughs> um, sounds good. Yeah, so, but um, turmeric, you can do that. Or like as a naturopath, I dispense out the liquid herbals and I can then mix different ones that suit each individual um, client at their part of the journey. So that's the exciting thing about being a herbalist is that we have a full dispensary of herbs and we make up a bottle um, based on your needs at that point in time and we can adjust it. So, mm. um, but turmeric, boswellia, calendula, which is a vulnerary, so it helps to heal and soothe. As I said, eating some oats in there, that's very soothing. So if I've um, ever, you know, overdid it with something, got an upset tummy, I'll often um opt for some oatmeal in the morning because it's just calming and soothing. Just like if your skin's upset, you get an oatmeal bath, you know, and it's soothing and healing. So what do you think about that with the gluten thing? Like, Well, see, oats technically are are gluten-free. It's the the facilities they're produced on are often produced on with Mm, the um, facilities that process wheat and and other grains with gluten. So you can get gluten-free oats that are produced Mm. on their – you know, facilities that are a hundred percent free of, um, gluten. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we want to, uh, optimize digestion. So once we've sort of healed, uh, sort of sealed the gut a bit, um, you certainly don't want to do any detoxing until you've sealed up leaky gut. Otherwise you're pulling out the toxins and then reabsorbing them. So be aware uh, of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's a good tip. So you want to seal first. And then we want to optimize some digestion. So we want to make sure that you're getting enough hydrochloric acid in the stomach because that's that first point of call. So if you're on a proton pump inhibitor, you're really just cutting off the the acid, which stops the heartburn and the reflux, but then it leaves you exposed because... I was going to say, what's that? What's a protein <clears throat> pump inhibitor? So those proton pumps produce um, hydrochloric acid. So for people that are getting heartburn and reflux and getting oh, all those It's symptoms. a medication, is it? Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Okay. It's a medication that you get okay. from your doctor. And, of course, if they're just trying to stop the heartburn, yeah, that works. Uh-huh. But if you're yeah, thinking okay. about the gut as a whole and what, what are the ramifications of that, well, ooh. The it's prob- masking a symptom, not dealing with a problem. It's masking a symptom, but it's mm-hmm. also causing other problems. Like you're more likely to get a parasitic um, or, you know, viral infection because the hydrochloric acid is there to knock out any of those nasties in our food before we digest it. So it kills off most of the bugs, if not all, and then it's safe to proceed. But when we don't have that, we don't have that protection. Those bugs can go straight on through. It also breaks down food so that we're less likely to have larger particles once it hits the small intestines. And those larger particles will cause more likely to cause food intolerances because once it gets absorbed across the bloodstream, the body goes, I don't know what this is. This is not food the way I expect to see it. So it's starts to mount an immune response against it and that's the IgG response that I can test for if you've got food intolerances but we've got to look at why do you have food intolerances and then you go back to the beginning and it might stem all the way back to hey your hydrochloric acid isn't at where it should be or you're taking this medication so we need to look at how can we wean you off that and naturally address the heartburn so you see it's naturopath's job to step back and look at the body as a whole not just one aspect. Um, so yeah, so hydrochloric acid, you need, you can use things like gentian, which is another great herb. Take that before meals. Anything bitter helps to stimulate those digestive secretions like hydrochloric acid and bile and, um, your enzymes. Um, and sometimes we'll give people betaine hydrochloride, um, which is actually replacing it for a little while until they can start producing their own. And then here's an interesting one. <clears throat> I actually um, run low in zinc um, because there's this other thing, pyrolurea, which I test people for, which can um, mean people have trouble getting zinc in some of their B vitamins. And so, or they run low in it, they lose them. Um, and so I was always running low in zinc and I eat a lot of salads. So like I was um, telling you earlier, my, but my hands would often go towards an orangey color. And I was like, why is that? And I asked every naturopath, I asked every doctor and no one could sort of give me an answer, but I'm like, well, this ain't 
right. <laughs> um, my husband was like, that ain't right. And, um, and so in the end, I figured the pe- put the pieces together when I was doing some study that um, <clears throat> because I had this pyrourea and I ran low on zinc, um, zinc is needed to convert um, uh, your biocarotene into vitamin A. And so that biocarotene comes from, you know, carrots and those orange colors. And that was, I presume, storing up in my body and turning my hands a bit orange because when I rectified the zinc issue, that coloring went away. Oh, interesting. But I also had issues with my hydrochloric acid and that started to improve because zinc is needed to make hydrochloric acid. So it's just amazing how it all links in, isn't it? I I just love the body and how it works. Like again, homeostasis, that's where we're trying to bring everything into balance. So just to kind of speed things up, we need pancreatic enzymes, some liver support to get the bile going. So herbs that are good there, a globe artichoke, gentian, ginger, turmeric. Um, so cooking with these, you know, rhizomes, these roots are a good way to get them in as well. Um, we need to make sure motility is going okay. So um, again, if someone's got constipation or diarrhea, we need to work on that and there are different herbs that can be you know laxative or we can get um draw water to the bowel or we can like saccharomyces boulardii helps to sort of stop that um uh diarrhea if someone's got real bad diarrhea problems so that we can work on the underlying issues and saccharomyces boulardii a beneficial yeast um it actually it will start help healing in the gut as well um so th- <clears throat> that actually segues quite nicely into the next sort of sector. So now we've healed the leaky gut or like we've helped close those gut junctions. It sort of seal it off. We've optimized digestion. Now we need to balance the microbiome. So this is where if we need to, we're going to hit it hard. If there's a parasite in there, if there's an overgrowth of bacteria, we need to sort of reduce those numbers. We're going to use antimicrobials here. Um, uh, we, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things we can do there, but just keeping it short, we've got to address the bad bacteria or parasites. Um, then we've got to put in the good guys. So we're looking at our prebiotics and lactobacillus and bifidobacter promote microflora homo- homeostasis. So um, there are different strains we can use for different things. It's so phenomenal. And that's a chat for another time. I've talked about them on my podcast and I will do some more on that um, in the coming um, weeks because I've been doing some research on the different strains and it's just quite interesting to use it. Because, you know, a lot of us just go, oh, you know, I take a probiotic, but is it is it viable? How how has it been stored? Is it been stored on the shelf? Because a lot of them need to be refrigerated. Has it been stored with the prebiotics? So it's got some food in there. Um, what strains has it actually got the number and the letters at the end that tell you you know that they've actually showing you transparency with what probiotic it is because like oils ain't oils, probiotics ain't probiotics. So I'm pretty dubious about which ones I'm, I'm using. Um, and as a practitioner, we can get sort of the best of the best. Um, but for those of you out there, just here's a tip. If it's in the fridge, it's probably a pretty good one, like at the chemist. Um, if it's just on the shelf, there are a few strains like Saccharomyces boulardii can um, be on the shelf and there are a few that are room temperature stable, but I would be very dubious of all the others. So that's just a little tip if you can't get to an a- aim for Aim for one in a fridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- they're mm. taking better care of it. It's going to be a better probot. It's going to be a better quality if their manufacturers are telling the chemist or the, uh, you know, natural health store to keep it in a fridge. You've got some better quality behind that one. So, um, and prebiotics. So that comes back to diet, really. Prebiotics are the new hashtag phrase, like, oh, prebiotics. But it's like, that's been there forever. We, we need pre- prebiotics. Um, they're in our diet. Their fibers, soluble and insoluble. But we have gotten pretty good at isolating certain ones that will feed the bacteria better. So partially hydrogenated gugar gum, PHGG, 
Have you heard of that one, Annabelle? No, no. Uh, that that's that's the new in kid. Like he's ah. the new kid on the block with the cool cap and the skateboard, and <laughs> everyone <laughs> um, is using PHCG. But it, you know, it is a, is a low. Like even people on FODMAPs diets can tolerate a bit of it, so it's quite. Um, uh, it's a safer one to start on. But like I said, diet, Hippocrates said, let thy food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. So as a naturopath, I'm also looking, you know, where can we include more um, soluble and insoluble fibers in your diet? So soluble um, being sort of the inside of the fruit and veggies and insoluble being, you know, the outside, the skins and some of the um, legumes and things like that are full of fibers, which is why people with SIBO and imbalanced gut bacteria find lentils and beans and chickpeas really hard to to eat because they're very filled with fiber and they're going to flare up all of the um the bloating Uh yeah 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 I know I don't do that well with with legumes either so yeah I soak mine for a long time to help break down those starches Uh, and fibers and you cook them with some um Dulse or wakimi, some, you know, seaweeds, that also helps to make it more digestible. You could even sprout them if you had the time. Like I used to sprout mine before kids. Now I just soak them. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the seaweed and then um, oh, I thought there was something else I was going to tell you. But the seaweed, I put that in when I'm cooking it. Oh, because it adds iodine as well. So for your thyroid patients that or listeners, that's also great. So it helps the digestibility of the grain and it's giving you some iodine. So that's obviously what you need when your thyroid is underactive. Because, um, yeah, we haven't even – we need to do another episode just talking about all the um, nutrients for thyroid. But um, I suppose we talked today about how to absorb those wonderful nutrients, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Look, I think we have had we could we could go down lots more rabbit holes, <laughs> uh, and there's a gazillion things about gut health. But I think that's been a, a really good, you know, overview and and digging deep into some of those you know specific elements of of gut health that really apply whether you've got a thyroid health problem or any autoimmune problem, or you just live in our modern world, you've probably got a gut problem. So um, I think that's been some really helpful information. And as you say, like you dive into a lot of these things really deeply on your podcast. So is there, how should people get in touch with you? I mean, I'll put links in the show notes, but if people are listening and they just want to say, jump over and start, you know, connecting in with you. Yes. How should they do that? I'm just laughing because that's actually a really good question because I'm literally just – this week is my first week back from my second maternity oh, leave. With, is that right? Oh, are you like just, just back? Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. I've yeah. just, just okay. opened my book so I've had my loyal uh-huh. followers that like follow me closely are going, oh, my gosh, and booking straight in. And so um, uh-huh. I'm laughing because I'm sort of out of practice. I'm going, oh, oh, okay, yeah, um, and my hubby's so great. He handles a lot of the um, tech side. We were laughing. Both our husbands are quite good with that and but telling us, you know, you better thank us. We do a lot of work for you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, so let's see here. I've got my website, so busbynaturopathics.com.au. Um, I have a book now button on there, but I'm actually working with a clinic um, at the moment, sort of working out of a clinic with a friend of mine, Monique Kelly, um, another great naturopath, get this, we had children two days apart. Uh, Oh, wow. uh, So we've both been on maternity leave, both coming back. She's got little Isla. I've got Sierra. Um, But yeah, we, it's just a nice space there. And um, I'm just sort of working out of those rooms so that that sort of connects through to their website um, with the book now. But so Busby Naturopathics is my clinic and my podcast is Healthy Living with Angela Busby. So you can get that on Spotify and Stitcher and um, even, yeah, Spotify. I said, and iTunes. Um, and so you can listen to me there and there's links there. I guess I have a Facebook. So I'm really out of it with social as well, but I've just started trying to be good about putting up some photos, um, on Insta and Facebook. So people can kind of sneak peek into my life and actually see it sort of in practice. Like, what do you make for your kids for lunch? Yeah. You're a real person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You walk your talk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just, 
like we are real people and now that I'm a mum, man, that, you know, mum community is strong. Like we stand together and we, you know, help each other out. So I just, um, yeah, we're all doing real life and it gets real hard sometimes with young kids. Um, hopefully you can tell us it gets easier when they get older, Annabelle. Oh, it's definitely easier. It's okay, different. Good. Yeah. It's different, different, bigger people, bigger issues, but I found the under fives the hardest Artists. stage. Yes. Thank you for some validating. Some people love that. Yeah. Some people love that stage. You know, some people are born, you know, to be, I think, <laughs> mothers mm. of toddlers and babies and that they love that stage. But That's I don't love it. Yeah. And I found it hard. And I, if I look back, I mean, this is a whole podcast episode, yeah, I do, but I found it hard and I found – I, I wasn't, if I look back now, so my kids are 19, 16, 14, but if I look back at that stage, I wasn't managing my thyroid health as well as I could have, well, I well, I didn't really know as much, I guess that's the truth. And I do think if my gut health was better, my mood might have been better, if my thyroid might have been a bit more, you know, in check, maybe I wouldn't have been as snappy and grumpy and, um, you know, so I found that hard for a variety of reasons. So, yes, I think it gets better. For me, it's gotten definitely easier. Once they're at school, it's yes. infinitely easier. <laughs> yeah. Now they're teenagers, they're fabulous. Yeah, like some of the issues are harder because they've got more lifelong consequences, but it's, it's I, I'm enjoying this stage of teenagers mm. much more than I enjoyed the toddler stage. Yeah, I definitely think um, I want to do some podcasts around that because I've been you, – you have less time when you have young kids, but I've been doing a lot of work into um, managing a, a spirited child and I have done a podcast episode on that and I'm going to interview the lady who wrote the book because she's been helping us. And um, I think as, as my, you know, parents, we're, we're tasked with this responsibility to shape these young people and to help, you know, um, bring out their strengths and, and help them with their weaknesses. And it's a big, it's a big job. So, um, yeah, I guess it's been taking a lot of my time researching down that and I'm going to do some episodes on what I've been learning, but that's why I've been off in this mum land and I'm slowly coming back. And that's why I laugh when you ask that question. I was like, yeah, how do you get in touch with me? But, <laughs> well, um, but well, websites often a good, simple uh, connection spot too, because you'll find all the connections there, but thank you. Thank you so much for coming out of maternity leave onto my podcast. That is really exciting and, uh, yeah, really looking forward to getting this episode out and helping lots of people, uh, you know, improve their gut health. Um, yeah, so thank you. Thanks for having me, Annabelle. And, um, yeah, I look forward to talking again soon, like very soon when we do our next episode. <laughs> like after a toilet break. <laughs> so if you want to get a same day, same com- yeah. you know, not same conversation, but yeah, yeah, thyroid listen, one. We'll, listen yeah, to Healthy right. Living. We'll go listen to yeah. Healthy Living. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Thanks. thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Thyroid. I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and share it with others that you know with thyroid problems. Let's get the message out there. If you'd like to connect with me further, the best place to do that is via my website, AnnabelleBateman.com. From there, you'll be able to join my Facebook group, book a strategy session with me, download my freebie um, and access any show notes for this episode. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Bye. Have you read Let's Talk Thyroid yet? That is the book that I put out last year. It is all about positive and practical thyroid help for the new thyroid patient uh, or for the thyroid patient that is new to the idea that there's anything other than taking your medication that you can do for your thyroid health. Grab your copy from Amazon or from my website, letstalkthyroid.com, or grab a copy for a friend who is struggling with their thyroid health and just needs some really accessible, bite-sized, practical and positive information that's going to give you hope for your thyroid future.